<clears throat> Today's message is going to be called, It's Time to Run Your Race. <laughs> and I've learned through the seasons that I know that there's a time of rest where you take rest and you have peace of the Lord and, and you're just being still knowing that he's God. Um, but then there's times for you to run. And we're stepping in that time to run for the Lord. And I know he's faithful in our running and running with us. Um, I was watching this movie the other night, <clears throat> and this guy on there says, everybody has a destiny, but it's our choice to follow it. And it spoke volumes to me because, see, in the, in the race you run for the Lord, it's up to you to, to say yes. It's up to you to choose to run the race. He doesn't come, and he's not an angry God that says you have to do something. He comes, and he sends everything you need to help you run your race, literally. He sends the people that are going to encourage you. He's going to send the people that you surround yourself around to help you uh, keep on the path that he has before you. He sends everything you need. But the main purpose and the sole purpose of running is to advance the kingdom of God. That's why we do all of this. <clears throat> There's a momentum right now with the Lord that you don't want to miss it. His spirit is pouring out to overfill us right now so much of just being overwhelmed with his goodness. There's so much revelation coming from heaven right now. He's like pouring it out. All of us have a destiny with him, and it, it's the winds of his refreshing. We were here on Thursday night for intercession class, and I began to see the winds come in that night. And as soon as the prophetic started to move, I could see the winds come in. What, what do the winds represent? They represent transformation. They represent the, the winds of refreshing that come in and refresh you and remind you of what you've forgotten about. That's the whole reason for the prophetic and for prophecy to come forth, to remind the people of who they're called to be and not to forget, whether corporately for a nation or individually through the prophetic word. And so... When you run your ways, I remember when I, when I first was doing the things for the Lord, I, uh, I, I would literally like demonstrate <laughs> in action, in person for my youth. And I would say, well, what happens when you run? Like, I want you to envision this real quick. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, when you run, are you looking backwards all the time? What happens if you were to look backwards when you're running? You would fall, Right. We're never called to look backwards, people. And then carrying all this junk and mess, I told them, I said, one of these days I'm going to give you a backpack and I'm going to put bricks in it. And they're like, what, Miss Alice? What do you mean you're going to put bricks in it? And I'm like, yeah, because you're carrying all this stuff that you're not supposed to carry. So do you think that you can run your race really fast with stuff on your back? They're like, no, it would slow me down. I said, right. I said, that's what the enemy keeps coming and putting on your back. Every time he lies to you, every time there's an agreement with the enemy, every time that there, there's something being put in your backpack. You know what's supposed to go in your backpacks in the spirit? 
the tools of heaven go in there. I've seen it before. They were singing about the ancient, the ancient ways and the ancient things in worship today. And it's the ancient tools that we're supposed to be given by generations that have gone before us in the spirit that have been given to us to help us with our run for the Lord. But nothing else is supposed to go in those backpacks. Only the precise things you need for the run of your race. That's it. So your destiny is your destiny. And it never changes. I don't care how many mistakes you made. I don't care how much uh, backwards you've done. It doesn't matter because your destiny is your destiny. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't call you to be somebody in his kingdom and then changes his mind because of your actions or mistakes or anything you've made and said, well, I, I think I called that one wrong. No, that's not the way the God works. <laughs> if he's the one that created you, he created you with a special, with a special thing to do for his kingdom. He molded you. I was made for war. That means we have a warrior spirit inside of us. All of us do. Why, why can we sing that? Because there's some type of warrior spirit inside of you that rises up when there's injustice that comes and attacks your family and attacks you and attacks your friends and people who you love. Something rises out of you that wants to take warfare against that very thing. Something supernaturally happens to you that you did not put there. God put that inside of you. Perseverance, endurance, it's supernatural. It's given to us by God. It's not something we've worked for or we've earned. Oh, because I've accomplished all these goals, now my endurance is like higher now. That's not how that works. When you need endurance and you need strength, it comes from the Father and only from the Father. It doesn't come from anywhere else. So where you're pulling from, it matters. I've been, uh, I've been reading about different people and about their destinies and watching some movies. And the Lord has the perfect timing for our destiny to come forth. He had the perfect timing in his life for his own destiny to come forth. He could have stepped in it at any time of any moment of age of his life, but there was a specific timing that the heavens ordained for things to come in alignment, for everything to work the way it was supposed to, according to what, ke uh, what heaven had already spoken of prophecy over his life. Same thing for us. Sometimes we think we're, we're different than the walk that Jesus had, but we are capable of that same walk because of the cross and because of what he did for us. So when you think about Jesus and you want to give up, he couldn't give up. Why? Because all he thought about was the kingdom and the kingdom manifesting here on earth. Every, didn't mean he didn't get tired in his flesh. Didn't mean that when he was fasting and praying, he didn't get weak. He did. There was fleshly moments you can read in scripture of those moments and times where he had affliction on his body before the crucifixion came of where he was tired. He was a human being. But it was the supernatural spirit of God 
and God himself that helped him to accomplish every single piece of his destiny for the whole entire world to see. God is giving us everything we need in this moment to accomplish our purpose and our destiny for the kingdom of God right now. It is coming very quickly. There is no delay in it. He's saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. You're going to be overwhelmed with my goodness because you're not going to understand it in the natural. But in the spirit, it's coming forth. We sing it all the time. Or actually, Pastor Jeff says this all the time. Ready or not, here I come, right? (laughs) Ready or not, your destiny is here. Your purpose is here, ready or not. I started reading about um, these people who were told in their life of their destiny. And Serena Williams was one of those people. They just made a a movie recently about her life. And since she was a kid, her dad had a book of what his daughter's destiny was going to be. Don't we have a book ourselves in the heavens? My plans... In Jeremiah 29, 11, we have a book. <laughs> we have a book that's already written of our purpose and our destiny in heaven. It's already a done deal. So he, he, he puts it in her mind every day of her life. You're going to be great. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be the best tennis player ever. You're gonna, people are going to know your name. They're going to know who you are. And every day she's told this, every time at practice, her dad was her coach and would take her out every day. Listen in the spirit, people. Her dad was her coach and would pour into her every day at practice. And then he had times where he had to correct her. And then he had times where he would come there and say, you're doing it wrong, Serena. This is the way you're supposed to do it. And she had a choice to listen or not listen. She was a child when he was raising her up to believe one day she was going to be great and do things. She was one of the first uh, African-Americans who became great, who was well-known around the world for her tennis playing. To be honest with you, culturally, it didn't even happen back then. It's like the golf player that comes forth it's not, I was watching the Olympics the other day, and there's this young man, and he's an ice skater. And I started watching his story, and they said this young man was from Mexico. He turned on the TV one day, and he, he saw the skater skating, and he spoke to the TV that day in front of his family, and he said, one day I'm going to do that. Let me tell you, in Mexico... It doesn't even get cold enough to produce snow. It's not like this young man grew up in snow and ice and ice skating and under the influence environment around him of what he said he was going to do. I'm pretty sure, knowing our culture, they probably made fun of him. What? You're going to be an ice skater? Get out of here. I'm pretty sure he did not have the motivation and the support of the people in his culture because they're about football. And you play football in the culture that we're in, and you become great in that. 
But to be a great ice skater is another thing. But God, because that was his purpose and his destiny, sent everything to him that he needed in a country, in a state, that he didn't know anything about any of this. But because he said it out of his mouth and he believed that he was going to do it one day, he did it. He came out in the Olympics this year uh, as an ice skater. I, don't, I haven't seen the outcome of it, but I took, his, took heed to his story. Because I was like, you, you see, you've got to look at your own story sometimes. Some of us didn't even grow up in church. Some of us came from families that didn't even, weren't even saved, weren't even in the, in the things of God. And somehow God comes into your family and says, oh, this one, I'm picking up this one, and I'm putting you over here, setting you apart, that you would know that your purpose and your destiny is going to be this. I have to set you apart. I have to pick you up and set you apart for the sole purpose of your destiny and your purpose to come forth from you. Some of us took it as rejection in our lives. Well, we were rejected by our families. We were rejected by the pastors. We were rejected by leaders. We were, no, you, you might have had to go through that because he had to realign you in moments of your life, realign you with the heavens of where you were supposed to be positioned at for the sole purpose of your destiny and your purpose to come forth. He had to send us to Ohio. I knew nothing about farming. How am I going to bring in the harvest in the spirit or help bring in the harvest of the spirit when I know nothing about farming? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he sends us, he picks us up, puts us in position where we're supposed to go on purpose so we can run our race for the Lord and do the things he has for us. There was this young man, his name is Jim Thorpe. And he was a Native American. He was a, a, an Olympic runner. <laughs> and he was awesome. It was like in, 19, in the 1900s when this man was, was 1900s. Uh, it was, it, he wasn't even considered, like they didn't even recognize him as a citizen. That's how bad it was with the Native Americans at this time. So he comes in and he's good. He's an awesome runner. And he comes in, and I, I kind of want to read you his story because I took a little photo of it. I don't want to move ahead of myself. But I think it's important that we read these stories because our excuses, it's time for them to end. Because we come up with all these excuses. Well, I didn't have the best mom. Well, I didn't have the best dad. Well, I never was brought up in the church. So how can I do the things of God when I never was never brought up in that? How can I do this? And how can I do that? And how is this even going to work? But I want to read you this story. Jim Thorpe is considered by many to be the greatest all-around athlete in the history of modern sports. Professionally, he, he played baseball for New York Giants. Football for Canton Bulldogs, that got me right there, where, where he won their champ, uh, three champions he won. In 1920, he became a founding member and first president of the National Football League. He won Olympic gold medals in the uh, Pentathlon, Pentathlon, I'm probably saying this wrong, and Takathalon in the 1912 Swedish Games, representing a United States that didn't recognize his citizenship. 
Entering the final event of the decathlon, Thorpe had such an impression lead that he only needed to finish seventh or better in the 1,500-meter race to win the Olympic gold. After the runners were called to the track, Thorpe dug into his gym bag to find the shoes missing. Somebody stole his running shoes. This is, this is what happens, right, in our lives, right? Things happen. Things go a little wrong sometimes. Can you imagine being a professional runner going into your bag and your shoes are not in there? <laughs> you'd, you'd freak out. <laughs> because uh, shoes have to be worn in to get a good run in them. <laughs> so then frantically, he searched for the shoes to no avail. With the race about to begin, he found two mismatched, badly worn shoes. Get this. One two sizes too big and the other size too small. With socks doubled up on one foot, Thorpe uh, put a thin dress sock on the other and got to his mark just in time for the race to begin. After trailing the pack for the first three laps, Thorpe caught the leaders rounding the fine turn and with great burst of speed, he surged ahead and he won. I'm trying to, I, I took this picture really quick this morning because um, he won the greatest, uh, he says, it says here, um, let, me, let me put this bigger here. Thorpe caught his leaders rounding the fine turn and with a great burst of speed, he surged ahead and won the race by an astounding 25 yards. He captured the gold medal and was pronounced the world's greatest athlete by King Gustav of Sweden. So it doesn't matter what happens in our lives to try to stop the purpose and our destiny of our lives. Because what you were created to do and to be will happen. He was attacked. They came after him. They didn't want him to win. But he persevered. He pushed forward. And he had these two unmatching shoes can you imagine, like, I'm, I'm visualizing this as I'm reading it, and I'm like, one too small, one too big, running. It's impossible. <laughs> then he had to double up one sock and then wear a thin sock on the other. I can't even imagine. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, like some people running in heels for some of the women. You know what I'm saying? I just can't do it. But, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, it was an impossible situation. But because he was called, he was ordained, that was his destiny to win the gold medal. He still won it. He still did well with even the distraction, even the attack. Get what I'm saying in the spirit? Because it doesn't matter what you've been dealing with or your circumstances or the fight you've had in warfare, your purpose and your destiny is still going to happen in your life no matter what. But you have to persevere. You have to push through. Pushing through is something I tell a lot of people and I tell myself when I wake up in the morning and my body's getting attacked, I speak to myself and I say, you've got to get up. You've got to push through. You, can, you don't have time to be sick. You don't have time to be sitting here all day. There's kingdom business that you're assigned to today and you have to get up and do it and you don't have a choice. So get up and do it. And that's how 
I speak to myself. Now, some of you might be a little bit more gentle with yourselves, but um, I'm stubborn and hard-headed, so I have to speak to myself like that. (laughs) What you speak over yourself matters, and what you speak over others in your family members matters. His dad told him, that guy Jim Thorpe, his dad had a talk with him and told him, you represent the native tribe and you go show them what the natives are about. Can you imagine the words from the father speaking to the son, those words, and how powerful and impacted he was by his father of encouragement was saying that to him. In the times where he wasn't even acknowledged as a citizen, But he was good enough for the Olympics, but wasn't considered as a citizen. Do you see what I'm saying? I get excited with hearing these kind of stories. Because your purpose and your destiny, it's it's what it is. Jeremiah was a prophet. Let's go to Jeremiah 4.10. Jeremiah had, he had a call. He had visions. God came and spoke his destiny to him. He heard the voice of God. Did, did you think that Jeremiah came and said, yes, Lord, and did it? That's not how Jeremiah's response was. This is what the Lord tells Jeremiah in verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. All, on six, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Whatever your excuse has been not to run your race for God, put it right there in the blank. I can't speak for you. I'm too young. I can't do what you call me to do because I'm too busy. I can't do what you call me to do because I'm my family. Whatever it is, whatever it is that your you're hiccup your pullback, whatever's stopping you, fill it in the blank there. Because Jeremiah was no different than us, okay? Then the Lord replied in verse 7, Don't say, I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. Let's say this again. Don't be afraid of the people. For I will be with you, and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken, exclamation, means he said it with authority over Jeremiah. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. And this is what he tells Jeremiah. Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot, some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and you must plant. This is the Lord speaking destiny over Jeremiah, giving him strategy and telling him, this is what your life is called for, son. You're going to have to, you're going to, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to tell you what to do. Your steps are ordered. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do and say wherever you go. I'm with you. You're not by yourself. 
We have a bad habit of saying, I feel all alone. I'm all alone in this. Because the enemies come to lie to you and make you feel you're in alone in a battle by yourself. And the Lord is saying here to Jeremiah, you are not by yourself. I am with you. Jeremiah 5.1. Jeremiah goes to this thing in verse 5 and he says, run up and down every street in Jerusalem, says the Lord. Look high and low and search throughout the city. If you can find even one, just an, just an honest person, I will not destroy the city. Do you understand the mandate on your life? Do you understand the call on your life and the importance of your call? That it is for your town, it is for your city, it is for your state and the nation. Your call is vital. If it wasn't, the enemy wouldn't be trying to destroy your call at every turn. And he wouldn't be coming to lie to you whispers all the time. If it wasn't vital, if it wasn't important. He comes after you because it is important and it is vital for the kingdom of God. He goes in there and Jeremiah is given this task. Like, can you imagine God coming and telling you, if you can find one person in the state of Ohio that is just and honest I will spare the state. I will spare the city. I will spare the town you live in. And you have that assignment? I mean, can you imagine Jeremiah even saying, man, where, where, is, this, where is this even person? Could, where could they even be? And having to search it out, go through the city. Why? To spare the people. Because it depended on Jeremiah what his response was going to be to the Lord in that very hour, whether the city was going to be destroyed or not. Some of you, the Lord has given you things to do in obedience this season that are vital and important. And if you do not do it, there will be cities that will be taken out. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's people dying in par- and, and, and they're dying in their sin. They're dying in their addiction. They're dying in their areas. They're passing away not knowing God. And guess what? It's our responsibility to be in obedience to our call, to run the race for our Father, to do whatever he's telling us to do this season. And, and we can fill in those blanks of our excuses But the Lord says, no, it's time to run your race. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord tells him, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. His plans for your life, they're ordered already. They're good. They're to help you advance. They're to help you grow. But some of us keep backpedaling and looking backwards in our run that we don't advance forward and move forward in our run because we're too busy in this other junk back here that we don't, we get entangled with the old patterns and the old things that make no sense for you to take into this new season. And it's time for you to drop those things. Get rid of them this morning. Get rid of the baggage. Don't be the whiny, complaining person anymore. Well, my leader, well, my pastor, well, my church, well, my family. Well, well, okay, 
Maybe that all that maybe all that did happen. But how long is it going to be sitting on your back where you can't run anymore? How long are you going to tell the excuse to the Lord of why? Because all of that doesn't matter to him. What matters is your purpose and your destiny come forth from you. And you say yes to him. And it doesn't matter all the hiccups and all the mishaps and all that stuff. That doesn't matter to him. What matters is you say, you say yes. You take your position as a son and daughter of the Lord and begin to run your race. He's helping, he's helping giving strides right now. Things that were difficult and you couldn't do by yourself before, he's all, I'm going to give you strides. I'm going to let you advance so much right now supernaturally that what was difficult for you before will be easy for you now. And you can run your race and move forward. I believe some of you are in a state where the Lord is asking you this question. In Galatians 5, 7. Paul writes about this, and he says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from the following truth? I want to read all of it because it makes sense. It's talking about freedom in Christ, okay? Let's start with verse 5. We're going to read 5-5. We'll get the double grace, okay? So Christ has truly set us free... Let's say this out loud. So Christ has truly set us free. And let's add this to our mind, to our body and our soul, our spirit. We're free. Okay. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will not be no benefit to you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation and the whole law of Moses. And if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith is going to cause you to run. You were running the race so well, verse 7, who has held you back from following the truth. It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Let's say that again. You were running the race so well, who held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. He is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am the trusting, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has uh, been confusing to you. Confusion is not of the Lord. If you need breakthrough in confusion this morning, then say, God, say it to him. God, I need breakthrough with the confusion in my life that I will not be confused. So we know you've been made free. We know the lies of the enemy cannot entangle you anymore in the old ways of thinking. And now we can run. 
Your race starts with believing. And believing there's a cloud of witnesses in heaven cheering you on. 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul writes this. He's, he's locked up in jail and he writes, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. That's what it looks like to finish the race. He, has, he, he finished the race and he remained faithful in faith, believing. But in Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, a, such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. <laughs> My favorite is let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Every weight you walked in with this morning, strip it off this morning. Every burden you walked in with this morning, strip it off this morning. Strip off the weight that slows you down, especially that sin so easily trips us up. You were made to be free. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. There's a race. The bells are going off. They're calling you to take position this morning. They're ringing loud. It's like it's time for the race to start. You have the choice this morning to say, yes, I am ready. You have the choice to stand at the line that God invisibly presents to you and says, are you ready to run your race for me? How do you start your race for the kingdom? Saying yes is first. You have to say yes. He's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. You have to say yes. Surrender. Position yourself. Start with the little things first. See, everybody disqualifies themselves because they're not doing this big, grandioso thing. But you have to start with the small things and the small steps. And he talks about this, and, and he tells you in Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He's already excited because you're already at the, at the line. He's like, you positioned yourself at the line for the, for the race. I'm already joyful. I'm already excited for you. And to see the plumb line of Jerubbabel's hand, don't despise the small things he's doing in your life. We can say it as a church too, but I want it to be personal to you this morning. I want you to understand, don't despise the small things. It will hinder your walk. Well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not preaching in the Crusades yet, you know, in Africa and all these places. I, I really have a heart to be in evangelism. But, you know, until I can see God do that, then I'm just going to stay quiet, be a good Christian, go to church on Sundays and Thursdays, and I'll be good. No. He wants you to start and get yourself on the line for the race. And he's going to be excited and joyful about that. And you start with the little things. What are we called to do to preach the good news of God? 
Are you going around preaching the good news of the Lord? Every person you encounter, my place before I even got into ministry the way that God put me, which I didn't even choose that. He, he chose it all for me. I would go into the grocery store, and I would be praying in the grocery store. And I would be walking my little cart and just singing about Jesus. And you know what I'm saying? And then people would come up to me and ask me for things. Do you know where the creamer's at? And sometimes when I was having a bad day, I was like, what, do I have a sign on my shirt? Do I have like a, a work shirt of this company that they keep coming up to me? And God's like, no, I'm sending, to you, sending them to you on purpose because they think they're coming for creamer, but they're really coming for me. So how are you going to exhibit my heart towards the person? You know, I prayed for this lady one time. She's like, I need, I was in line buying some cough drops or something. The lady next to me is buying this medicine. And she's like, what, you know, what, why am I, you know, know do you know what this medicine's for and you think it'll help me and I said what's going on with you and she says well I'm sick I get these bad migraine headaches and, and I'm just trying to find something that will help me well you know God's here and God will help you and I prayed for her my ministry didn't start off traveling or doing all these other things my ministry started off in the small little bitty things in a small little room working with the youth in a small church and you understand what I'm saying and I, every step the Lord said do it it doesn't mean every time you're going to be excited and say oh yes Lord I'm going to do it because you work through your own emotions and whatever you're doing at that moment when he stops you because I'm being real with you but because you say yes, even though you don't want to do it, it matters to God. He gets excited and joyful that you position yourself to be that good news preaching person to that person at the moment. So if you're called to evangelism, start in your backyard. My husband would always say this. Some of you are called to the nations, but you need to start in your backyard evangelism, going in touch to your neighbors, going and preaching to your neighbors, and not like Bible book teaching. I'm not saying that because that would be a turnoff for me. But coming and exhibiting the heart of the Father in love to them and helping them and being kind to them, and all of those things matter. And so those are the little things that God uses, for, uses you for. And as you begin to say yes to those little things, he brings the increase and he gives you more. Well, and he starts seeing how, it, how you've changed your life. And he's like, you know, I've really been seeing so-and-so. And they just, you know, you just can't keep them quiet. They just want to tell everybody how much Jesus loves them. And then one day where you get an opportunity to say, to share a few words of the Father somewhere. You see how that works? It works in the small things first. And then he comes and gives you greater things. But some of us have not moved into the little things because we want the greater things. And that's not how the Lord works. You have to walk out the journey with the Lord and the Father and run the race. You have to say yes. 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, since in his mercy has given us the new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth about God and all who, who are honest know this. 
If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only for people who are uh, perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of Christ, of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing the great treasure. They make it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and present present us to himself together with you. And all of this is for your benefit. And all God's grace reaches more and more people. There will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are renewed every single day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, faith. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let's stand this morning. I saw in the spirit that some of you are going to get some new Shoes in the spirit. What do the shoes represent? The peace of God. Some of us need to be in the peace of the Lord. That's the only way you're going to be able to run this race. Because when there's chaos in your life and things are going crazy, even in your mind, that's going to be a stumbling block for you to stop you from running your race. But all of us have a great purpose and a great destiny. And so we're going to pray this morning. God, let's do the act of faith like we were doing earlier. I receive my new shoes today, my running shoes today, (laughs) to run the race for you, Jesus, (laughs) that I will not be, I will not stumble anymore or fall anymore, Lord. 
<laughs> I will not even be in shame anymore. Some of you need breakthrough in that whole shame thing. You're not meant to live in shame. You're meant to live in freedom. Freedom in your mind, your soul, and your spirit. Whatever it is that's making you feel shame, give it to God this morning. And say, God, I don't want it anymore because it was never meant for me to have in anyways. So let me give it back to you. And you walk out of this house this morning with your head held high, your back made straight to know that you are a king and a priest of the most high and that you are called and that your purpose and your destiny is so great beyond your mind, beyond that you've seen your family do, beyond the reaches that you can have in your own mind, it goes beyond that. Just when you think you figured out your call and the magnitude of the impact of your life, you haven't figured it out yet. There's more. And I just kept hearing that this morning. You think that's all I have for you to do? No, there's more. Oh, you thought this, oh, this was, this was nice, but this was just a stepping stone for you. And that was real good, but it was a stepping stone. There's more. Let's lift our hands this morning. God, we receive the more this morning. We receive the more this morning, Lord. Help us in running our race, Lord. Help us in running our race for you, God. <laughs> You're moving away the stumbling blocks this morning, God. You're moving away the debris this morning, God. Whatever has, has held us back before, whatever, when, when we're running, God, those things that have kept us with weightiness, heaviness on our backs, Lord, strip it away this morning, God. Strip away the heaviness. Strip away the discouragement. Strip away all those things that you didn't put there, God. And we're only going to look forward. Say that out loud. Say, I'm going to look forward, God. And I'm not going to look back anymore. The would-haves, could-haves, should-haves that have stopped me in past times can no longer be tripping me anymore. They're not going to trip you no more. It's a new day today. It's a new day. <laughs> the Lord's trying to be funny. I keep, I keep seeing people like go down to their feet and they're putting on their new shoes. <laughs> Some of you might have to do that this morning. Go down and say, oh, I just put my new shoes on. I just put my new shoes on, God. <laughs> just take position, bride. Take position and take what's rightfully yours for the kingdom. We just speak blessings over every person in this house this morning, Lord. That fresh fire would come on their feet this morning, God. Fresh fire would come and hit their bellies. Fresh fire would hit their feet in such a way, God, that they can't be still any longer, God. They just want to run, 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 and run free with the things you've given them, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.